Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. What a way to come out. I'm energized. Can't, uh, can't get enough of that youthful energy. And uh, it's really great. And I'm so glad that we can continue to keep our children involved. And we're going to keep it up as long as we need to right here as part of our main service. So uh, how are you doing this morning? Good. All right. So uh, have, you, uh, have you had a morning where you've been doing some uh, chit-chatting or talking with anybody? I know it's tough through the masks and all. Uh, but have you, have you had some good conversations this morning yet? I know it's still early, but I've heard some yeses. All right, good. So uh, were they important? Do you think your words were important this morning? All right, I see some nods. Or, or was it just casual? Some casual, like, oh, hey, maybe it's, uh, it, it's great. It's the middle of January, and we haven't been dumped with 10 feet of snow here yet. Something like that. A casual talk, weather, doesn't really seem all that important. But the words that you say today, they could end up being the most important words you will ever say. Maybe not to you, perhaps not to you. But if today turned out to be your very last day, your words might then be the most important and the most remembered to those who are closest to you. Now, what if you knew? What if you had some foreknowledge? Today's your last day. Would that make a difference with the words that you say? Do you think you might share something different, maybe other than all that political talk that's going on or all the issues and the restrictions with the pandemic and the order and all of that, would you be speaking about something else? Would it be what's really in the depths of your heart? Wouldn't you want to share that? Wouldn't you want to share really what's the deepest part of your heart if you knew this is it? This is my last day. I recently saw a little video that was billed this way, uh, the most harrowing of airline incidents. You know, sometimes if you're watching YouTube, if you're watching the children's YouTube channel, over on the right-hand side of your screen, it gives you suggestions of things to watch. Some people call it clickbait. You know, they want you to click on it. And sometimes I'll see that if it's... uh, something along the lines of uh, something exciting or interesting, I might watch it. So I saw this little blurb about airline flights. And they were you know, some of the most difficult landings and harrowing incidents. So I watched it, it wasn't that long. In one of these incidents, the plane was cruising along in clear skies, absolutely clear skies, and it hit what is called clear air turbulence. And I'd never heard that term, but it was explained that in this clear air turbulence, it's completely invisible to the pilot. He's not flying through the clouds where they, are, they expect all the bumps. 
And it doesn't register on any of the electronic instruments. They can't see it on radar or anything like that. And it can be extremely bumpy, very rough. Now, in this incident that was on the video, it was very, very rough. People were hurt. Over a dozen people were hurt and some pretty bad. When this plane hit this air and it bounced around so bad, people literally hit the ceiling. The, uh, the stewards and stewardesses were uh, serving the beverages and uh, some of them hit the ceiling, their carts hit the ceiling, then they're slammed back down to the floor and everything spilled around and there was broken things. One man hit the ceiling so hard he was rendered unconscious. And I just want to share just one little bit from this video right now. It's very short, but check it out. Aboard the Dallas-bound plane, John Mitchell, a language teacher, is flying home to see family. I captured the most severe part of it. I had never been as frightened in my life as I was at that moment. Amid the turmoil, John Mitchell says a prayer. I love my family. That was just one little bit about this incident. Here's this man. He was really fearing for his life. And I know I would be too. I hate the bumps. I hate the bumpy rides. And uh, I've never been in that bad. But here this man was thinking, this is it. And what did he do? He didn't strike up a conversation about the weather with the person in the seat next to him. He prayed. And then he expresses deep love for his family. I love my family. I love them very much. And what's going through this guy's mind, I don't know exactly, but I'm guessing he might be thinking, after they pick up the debris, someone's going to find my phone and they'll know I loved my family. And maybe it'll get to my family. They'll know that these were my last thoughts, my last words. And that makes some sense, doesn't it? If we knew today was our very last day, we might be thinking some similar thoughts. And I want us to keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we open up to John chapter 15. I want to give you a little background on this chapter of John's gospel. Jesus is with his closest followers. They've just shared a meal together. And they've left the room, the place where they shared that meal. It was nighttime, and it was the night before Jesus was to die. Soon he would be praying in a garden. He'd be praying in anguish with such fervency that he would be sweating drops of blood. Jesus knew what he was facing. He knew this is it. This is my last day. He knew he was facing death. So let's receive his words in John chapter 15 as coming from a place that's just not casual, It's really the depth 
of his heart. It's what he wants to share and be remembered as any of us would be doing if we knew today was our last day. John 15 opens with Jesus saying, I am the true vine and you're the branches. And if you're going to bear fruit, you need to abide in me. Remain in me. Remain in me is the the words that are in uh, some of the newer English translations of the Bible. Remain in me. Remain in the vine. And in the first eight verses of John chapter 15, it's repeated by Jesus no less than six times. Remain in me. Now let's pick it up at verse number nine. Remembering Jesus knows this is his last day. John 15, nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. The theme of Jesus' thoughts as this chapter opens, there are words about remaining in me, and he progresses from remain in me to remain in my love. However, Jesus here presents a contingency, a condition. He stated, now, Remain in my love. But then he put a condition. His very next word was if. If. If introduces the condition. And it's this condition for remaining in Jesus' love. If you keep my commands, then you will remain in my love. Now, if we connect that to the word we talked about last week, which we've been reminded was obey, we can say John 15, verse 9, or some of those verses in there that repeat this without altering the meaning, without altering really the intent of Jesus' words. If you obey, if you obey my commands, then you'll remain in my love just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. See, the condition that's put out there by Jesus, it really isn't at all unreasonable because it's the same condition that he put on himself. And he explained that. 
just as I've kept these commands for the Father. So with this condition then, how could someone say the love of Jesus is unconditional? When we come across words like this, if, if you remain, if you obey. Well, there is a sense of Jesus' love being unconditional. Jesus' love is unconditional in this sense, that he died for the whole world. We know John 3.16, many of us by heart, for God so loved the world. He gave his only son, and Jesus did that willingly. That love is, in that sense, unconditional. It's for every single person, the whole world. There aren't any excluded from the whole world. There's none excluded from the love of Jesus that he offers in the giving of his life, that sacrifice that he made. That offer still stands. Yet the love must be received. The offer must be received. And though Jesus offers this love to all, in a sense, that's that unconditional aspect, it can be rejected. Much like Jesus said to his followers, love your enemies. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to love you back. You might have done your best to follow that command of Jesus and love your enemies. Well, your love might not be received. It might be rejected. And so it is with Jesus. He offers the whole world his love. But it's not accepted by the whole world. So that, that's an unconditional aspect But I like to use words like unbounded. That Jesus' love knows no bounds. When I come to a passage of scripture like this, and it has words that have these conditions presented, it has this if in there. And understanding in this particular passage, it's Jesus' last day. These are depth of the heart words. These are words that he wants us to remember. If you keep my commands... Then you remain in my love. I'd rather say that Jesus' love, it's it's boundless. It knows no bounds. The worst of sinners, the worst of sinners who turn in repentance, they haven't sinned outside the bounds of Jesus' love. He loves them. And he died for them. And there's words in scripture that describe such a love. His love is eternal. We see that in the, in the Psalms. The Psalms like Psalm 136. And his love is perfect. 1 John chapter 4. His love is unfailing. And again, some of the Psalms speak to that. Psalms 33 and 143. And his love, as described in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, It surpasses knowledge. Paul describes there in Ephesians chapter three, this idea of unbounded love. He speaks about grasping the length and the width and the depth and the height of God's love. And he goes on to say, this is the love of Christ and it surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? It's, it's incomprehensible. We really can't comprehend this enormity of the love of Christ. 
It's incomprehensible. That's the love that Jesus displayed for every single one of us when he went to the cross willingly and he gave his life for all of us who were doomed because of sin. Jesus, the the word of God tells us he knew no sin. He was the perfect man. He walked the earth and he never sinned. He obeyed all of God's commands. And yet, he died for sin. He willingly took on the penalty of sin, the death penalty. That's eternal, perfect, unfailing, incomprehensible love. That's the love of Jesus. And he offers it for free. It's an absolute free gift. We can't earn it. It's unearned. It isn't earned by keeping any command. The love of Jesus is received when we yield our lives, when we go before him with a broken life and we sincerely repent. And we look to him and say, I'm going to give my life to you and receive that love, receive that love offering that he made and say, I'll follow you. See, it's then that Jesus beckons us and he asks all who receive that sacrifice to remain in his love. Now remain in his love. Be obedient to my ways, my commands. He loved me so much that he died for me and he gave his life for me. And that love, that unfailing, incomprehensible, unbounded love That's the motivational force, if you will, that that compels me and I'm sure all who have received that love to have a desire to follow his commands, to keep his commands. Other passages of scripture, they use words like this. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, chapter two. And we touched on this passage last week in Philippians chapter two. And Paul writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In that letter, chapter two, which we did touch on last week, Paul wrote about Jesus being humble that he humbled himself and he was obedient to death, even death on the cross. There was this connection to Jesus' obedience. But as Paul continued to write, and he wrote regarding Jesus' obedient death, he wrote, therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That takes us to Philippians chapter 2 verse 11. And what was the very next line the apostle wrote? Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. And it reads like this. Therefore, my dear friends, therefore, because At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And he's been exalted by God to the highest place. Therefore, my dear friends, 
have you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And see, Paul commended these Philippian believers for their obedience, their obedience to Jesus. But he continued to write, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So be obedient to Jesus. Yes. And remember, it's ongoing. It's an ongoing. It's a life. Continue to work out your salvation. This idea of being obedient. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, live as Jesus. Live as the one who died for you. Follow his example. Out of reverent respect, he humbled himself on the cross. And respect that. See, the salvation of our souls, it's not, it's not a one-time experience followed by just living the rest of our life with reckless abandon. Salvation is not a sinner's prayer and then, hey, it's back to business as usual. That's, that's not a salvation experience. It's daily. It's daily working it out. It's daily obedience to the commands of Jesus. He offered his love. He offered his love to all of us freely. And we call that grace. That's grace. And then he expects obedience. I read this uh, from uh, a preacher that wrote a a lot about preaching. And uh, this preacher, he just passed away uh, this year, early this year, in his 80s, he wrote this. His name is uh, Richard Neal Donovan. In our churches today, we rightly emphasize the importance of grace, the unmerited favor and love of God. However, we will fail those who depend on us for spiritual wisdom if we fail also to emphasize the importance of obedience, the importance of living this this idea of our faith out, that Jesus died for us. What does it mean now every single day of our life? I I received this in the the mail uh, this week, and it was from one of our uh, deacons in the church, and a little note that said, uh, Pastor Pat, this was uh, a devotional for January 10th, 2021, and it's got the date on the top, January 10th, which was last Sunday. And the title is Choosing to Obey. And the note went on to say, uh, it confirms the message the Lord had you deliver on Sunday. And it's all about obedience, this little devotional. And it comes from Numbers chapter 14, where we read about Joshua and Caleb who were obedient and others who weren't. And it contrasts this disobedience to the obedience of Joshua and uh, Caleb and the writer who wrote this, and I don't know who it was, but there's not a name, but it says you must choose to obey. You must yield yourself to God and walk in obedience in his strength. Yes, to keep the commands of Jesus. And what did Jesus command? Well, he gave one right there in John chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, if there were any of his followers right there questioning, oh, 
what does that mean? What, what do you mean by that, loving each other? Well, they didn't even have time to an- ask the question because Jesus answered it immediately. If they even thought of that question in an instant, he answered it without it being asked. And here's how he, he answered it. He, he, in essence, said, I've loved you. And here's how I want you to love each other. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's love. And Jesus went on, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. In other words, you know the master's business. I've talked to you about it for three and a half years. That's what Jesus had done. You're a friend. You're a friend. But Jesus spoke about being friends with another conditional statement, another if. You're my friend if you do what I command. Well, here again, what would motivate following those commands? The the engine that drives the motivation is the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus in giving his life, of laying down his life for one's friend. He's saying to his disciples, in essence, I love you so much. I'm going to give my life for you. They didn't even get it at that moment. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I see you as my friends. You're not servants. You're not servants anymore because a servant doesn't know the master's business. A servant is like we saw in the video. The commander gives the command, you must obey. You have no idea why, none whatsoever. But Jesus says, you know the master's business. And the master's business is founded on love. First and foremost, it's founded on love. And that's what differentiates the servant from the friend. Knowing this foundational aspect of love and now living out these commands of Jesus. And what did Jesus command? Well, he repeated it again. The last verse I read, verse 17. This is my command, love each other. That's it. Three words, love each other. And these were the parting words of Jesus. Planes going down. Love each other. From the depths of his heart, Love each other. Remember them. And that's, it's all about love. It's all about this idea of friendship and responding to that love and that friendship of Jesus by living, by living the love of Jesus. Love each other. This is the command. Love like Jesus. And that's really easy to say. It's easy to say, love like Jesus. Fit so perfectly on a bumper sticker, wouldn't it? We should have bumper stickers made, don't you think? Love like Jesus, we'd all put them on our cars. But what does it mean? It's really meaningless. These platitudes and bumper stickers, 
if we do not put them into some kind of practice applied to daily living, and how do we apply love like Jesus? Suddenly, if you really think about that, it becomes pretty big. Loving like Jesus, it's really big. Hear his words, his last words. If we want some insight into how, Jesus said, everything, everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. There's the how. I've made it known to you. Jesus made it known to us. Here's the how. We have his teachings. We have all of his commands right here in what we call our Bible. We're called to obey these commands. It's all he asked. It's all he asked in response to his indescribable, incomprehensible love. And we're asked to live it out now, day to day. This, in a word, it's, it's the life application of Jesus' commands. And I can shorten that up to say the life apps of Jesus. That kind of fit with, uh, with the vernacular of modern society, 21st century, the life apps of Jesus. Most of us are familiar with electronic applications. Applications that help us in our daily living. We say apps for short. We use apps on our computers, on our tablets, on our cell phones. I need to be organized. Organization was never my strong suit. When I had to organize my calendar by paper, it was scattered everywhere. I I was terrible at it. But you know what? Electronically, there's an app for that. (laughs) And now... That calendar, it it tells me what to do. Hey, you got a meeting in five days, then four days. And I put in six alerts so that I don't miss it. Bad on me if I miss it, because I got the app. I got a calculator app. I need to add, subtract, multiply, divide. I want to message somebody. Man, there's an app for that. There's all kinds of them. Photos. I need to look up a word. There's a dictionary app. You need your kitchen remodeled? Hey, there's an app for that. My son-in-law has shown me his new kitchen on his phone. Hey, check this out. It's in 3D. We can spin it around and look at it from all different directions. I got a Kroger coupon app. You know, I like to know if I can get two for one, right? And, of course, there are Bible apps. I got the Word of God at my fingertips. Bible apps. And in in there, in in that word of God, Jesus gives us all of his life apps. Any questions that we have about how to practically live out his commands in daily life, remain in his love, how we love one another. There's an app for that. They're all collected right here in the word of God. And We're going to go through them. We're going to go through the life apps of Jesus. I want to try to look at them all and examine them all. Have you let the light 
of his love shine and seasoned it with salt? There's an app for that. Anger management? How do you deal with someone when you're angry? Jesus talked about it. He gave us an app for that. Need to cut off lust. There's an app for that. How about building wisely? How about just living life, responding to all this political talk or uh, the, the, the turmoil in, in our culture or uh, dealing with people on social media? Boy, if Jesus could be here, what would Jesus tweet? Oh, there's an app for dealing with all of it, and he's given it to us. He's given us all kinds of practical ways to live our life, dealing with others, and approaching God. Jesus didn't just tell us how to deal with people here, but he he talked about how do we approach God? How do we commune with God? How do we live a spirit-filled and a spirit-led life? Well, yes, Jesus gave some life application for that too. And I'm just calling them the life apps of Jesus. It might take all of 2021 to get through them. But I think it's very important that we see how to live practically based on what Jesus has given us. You will remain in my love. You are my friends if you keep my commands, if you obey my commands. Let's look at them with sincerity. Commands founded in his love, the incomprehensible love of Jesus that he expressed by giving his very life. Now, before we close, what if today were your last day? How are you with Jesus? And I know we might say, uh, if we knew we would say this or do this with certain people who are closest to us, but what about eternity? Have you got that settled? Have you received his love? He paid with his life for the penalty of sin. He loved you that much. Have you received it? Let's stand and pray as we close. And I will invite anyone in my listening voice here in this sanctuary or wherever you're at. If you've not settled that, if today were your last day, do you have eternity settled? Jesus gave us everything we need to know for that. Repent and follow me. Just turn your heart to him. Say, Dad, I'm done with dealing with life, trying to figure it out my way. Turn it to him. Let's pray. God, we trust you and we love you and uh, we know Jesus loved us so much, so much that he gave his life for us. He told those closest to him, greater love is no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And I call you friends. God, I know there's many in here that are friends of Jesus. 
they know him, they've given their lives, but God, if there's any within my listening voice who can't say that, who can't say they've followed and they've yielded and they desire to obey, God, I just pray, Lord, any who are turning to Jesus right now to receive that free offer of his love, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, make your presence tangibly known to them, that you would respond to sincerity of heart, God. For any who are turning and giving you their lives, God, I pray that you would make that sacrificial love known to them in a way they've never known before, God. God, and help them, help them with the next steps of being obedient and following Jesus. God, and if there's any in our sanctuary, any who are joining that haven't been living as they should, they've been finding it difficult to obey. God, I pray right now for the strength that's beyond our physical capabilities, that's divine strength. Lord, I pray that you would help, help turn any and all to to, to you, God. If we've not been obedient as we should, I pray, God, that you'd help. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your gracious grace. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for everything that you do for us. Lord, help us to walk with you and give our lives to you. Give our lives to you. We ask for that help in Jesus' precious, his holy, his divine name. Amen. Amen.